for example, I've been advertised this sleepy time tea a lot and I struggle with my bedtime. I'm not disciplined with my bedtime and I'm working on it. And so I see it and I'm immediately thinking this, this would solve my problem. This would solve my problem. But when you do a root cause analysis, you basically ask, why is this a problem? Why is this a problem? And maybe ask why multiple times. And I was doing this and it made me realize my problem is really that I'm scrolling social media a lot and then I want to watch another episode of TV and drinking a sleepy time tea is probably just going to be something that I do while I watch another episode of TV and won't necessarily solve the actual problem that I want to solve. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. As an IT product owner, Maggie Dennis seamlessly translates principles from her professional life to her home life. In today's episode, she explores key concepts such as the 80-20 principle, the effectiveness of checklists, the importance of root cause analysis, and the value of reevaluating seasons of life. Discover the secrets to successful organization, from small beginnings to powerful habits in this enlightening episode. But before we get there, I want to share a minimalist moment of the week with all of you. Over the weekend, I was scrolling Instagram and came across an advertisement for a shirt that I'd seen, I don't know, a handful of times. So I decided to go ahead and make the purchase. I rationalized that it fit my rule of waiting a few weeks before splurging on an item of clothing. That said... I was reflecting today and I thought to myself, you know, you never would have wasted $50 of your money on that shirt if you hadn't seen it. For me, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. When I first started pursuing minimalism, it was so much easier for me to stop shopping if I removed myself from the malls. The mall will always be there. The stores will always be there. But I didn't have to be there. But social media makes it so difficult to keep things out of sight. Therefore, they're regularly in our mind that we have to struggle to combat these feelings of desire and want. So yes, I do like the shirt that I purchased. However, did I intend to spend the money? No. I wanted to share the story to keep it real with all of you that I'm not the perfect minimalist. I have these moments come up from time to time. And while at times I can talk myself out of these purchases, other times the desire becomes too much and I hit buy. Do you find that when you decrease your social media intake, you also decrease your desire for new things? I'd really love to know your stories, and I hope to put up a post about this so you can share them there over at Minimalist Moms Podcast on Instagram. All right. And with that, let's get into this conversation with Maggie Dennis. All right. Well, Maggie, thanks for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited that we're finally able to connect. I've been following along with you for a while because you are local to Columbus. And so I love to follow a like-minded woman. So before we get into our conversation today, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell me how you got into minimalism? Why has this become a thing in your life? Absolutely. I would love to. So my name is Maggie Dennis. I'm a wife and mom of two boys. They are two and four right now. And I work full-time as an IT product owner for a small company here in Columbus, My job is hybrid, and so I spend some time at the office, but most of my time at home, and I am such a homebody myself. And I really have always been obsessed with organization. Uh, Like, even as a kid, I would organize my family members' basements as, like, a way to earn money, and um, I've always liked to, you know, get, like, color-coded planners and 
I've always been into organization, but I think as I have become a mom and I've gotten older, I've realized that really in order to organize, the fastest and most efficient way to do that is to declutter. And I would say I kind of grew up more of a maximalist and I I worry I am a maximalist, but I'm trying to learn to become a minimalist because I believe that it is the fastest and the best way to get organized. Um, I'm also a big fan of all things productivity. And so I've taken a lot of, so, so because I work full time, I've taken some of those lessons that I learn um, as an IT product owner and use that to inform the way that I organize the systems that I use to manage my home and just, uh, you know, ways to be more productive with my time. And I do believe that minimalism is the best way to do that, but it's so hard to execute. It's, it's like a lifelong journey. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the perfect segue because that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about processes and systems from corporate America that you have taken into your home decluttering and just setting up systems that work best for you. And I was talking about this. uh, I made a reel, which I rarely do, but I made a reel earlier this week and I just said how... It's important to have systems in your home that work for the entire family because when we do them just for ourselves, oftentimes our family members aren't going to carry out our well-intended plans, if you will. And so I like the idea of getting the systems in place that best work for everyone, but doing 20% of the work and then getting 80% of the uh, benefits. So talk a little bit more about that and why you decided to carry over some of your corporate training into the household systems. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. I I didn't get to see that reel. I feel like I always see all of your content because I'm a big fan, but that reel in and of itself is so interesting because it, it really relates to another thing that I'm doing in the work world right now, which is we're trying to learn how to roll out an application. So since I work in IT, I do mobile applications and we build them out and then we obviously want our users to use them, but sometimes we'll spend so much time building things and the people will say, this isn't really helping me. This isn't what I need. And so one way that product owners, just the industry as a whole, you know, is pushing towards is to do more iterative changes. And actually my blog is called Refining the Chaos because I'm all about like refinement and iteration and doing a little bit at a time, starting small and growing bigger. And so oftentimes in the corporate world, it is more effective to start with something small, kind of like a, almost like a beta launch. I don't know if you've ever heard of applications launching and they're in beta phase or alpha phase. It's kind of a techie word, but they go out and people know that it's not perfect. There might be some bugs, but they practice it. And that way you get this faster feedback loop. So a lot of the times when I'm thinking about systems in the home, I want to think along the same lines and like, can I, can I put a proof of concept out there and just say, okay, I think I want to reorganize our fridge and bring all the produce to the front. This is something that recently has come to mind for me. Bring the produce up to the front and put the stuff that we want to eat less in the drawers. But I might not have the best containers for all of that produce like that, that fits perfectly in my space, but I could create something that's imperfect and might look silly, even if it's using like a cardboard box, 
just for the time being to see if it's functional and if my family likes it. And then if it starts working well, then maybe I will actually invest in the containers that would like be the perfect measurements for what I'm trying to do and stuff like that. That's where I will get frozen sometimes because I want to make the best decision. I wait, I start to notice, okay, what is the specific need we're actually trying to fill here? And then so much time passes that the need might actually be different. And I am, I just am stubborn with spending money. I have no problem spending money sometimes, but with certain things, I'm just, I want to make the right decision. And I know that that's silly, but noticing and just assessing and then making like maybe giving ourselves a deadline would be helpful too. Have you noticed that in your own life? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I can't really think of a good example for that, but I, I definitely agree and feel that same tug and pull. I'm such a perfectionist. And so it is hard to create something that's imperfect, but that's the work that that's what I'm trying to teach myself to do. It's weird because I wouldn't describe myself as a perfectionist, but I guess I just want to be the most efficient, maybe in areas I am. I think part of it is I'm frugal. So I want to make sure I get the right thing. So I'm not having to rebuy. Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I struggle with that. I actually have, I'm looking right now at a pile of random baskets that don't fit well into my space. And I feel like, oh, this is such a good basket, but it's not actually functional, you know, and it might've been cheaper. And so I, I think that, you know, that kind of hits on a balance too. Yeah. I definitely love a good thrifted basket. That's for sure. Well, sometimes they work perfectly. Sometimes you just get lucky. <laughs> Explore a world of well-being with Audible where a rich variety of content allows you to get closer to the best version of yourself. I've used Audible for years because it's one of the most accessible ways for me to read more throughout my year. I also prefer to listen to nonfiction books on audio, but I want to talk about how listening to audiobooks helps me be the best version of myself. I recognize that well-being is a personal, multifaceted journey. Which is great because Audible offers diverse wellness categories, including physical, mental, spiritual, motivational, occupational, and financial. Whether you're into talk listening about your favorite wellness titles or diving into a captivating audiobook, Audible brings you closer to voices that can change your life. For those of you who haven't used Audible, it's an easy-to-use app where you can enjoy all your audio entertainment in one place. My recent reads are Scarcity Brain by Michael Easter, Reframe Your Brain by Scott Adams, and The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Whatever it may be for you, find stories that inspire and personalities that encourage and enlighten you. New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash minimalist moms or text minimalist moms to 500-500. That's audible.com slash minimalist moms or text minimalist moms to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. What are some specifics in your home that you've implemented? Some of these systems noticed. I had a few other ideas. Another concept that you actually mentioned, uh, the 80-20 principle that I kind of wanted to talk through. This is another concept we use a lot in work. And um, I'm, I'm a very conceptual person, I guess. So I always start thinking about the concept and then I think about it in a very specific way. So this 80-20 principle, it's also called the Pareto principle sometimes. And it states that for most things, Roughly 80% of the consequences come from 20% of the causes. And so for me, you know, I don't necessarily have a specific system that always uses this, but it's more just a mantra in the back of my mind that 
I don't have to do everything 100%. And a lot of times the work that you do is going to have an uneven impact. So I'm a big fan of obviously decluttering, but I also think it's, it can be a lot of work. And sometimes I'm still in this phase of having young children and it's like a lot of physical work, especially with like all the baby gear and everything. And so to move it up and down the stairs and move it where you need to go, it can be a lot. And so what I've started trying to think about is what's the 20% of my house that really needs to be decluttered right now? And can I just focus on the the areas that are going to be the most impactful? And so for example, I have been focusing a lot these, I guess, past year on my kitchen because I feel like it's the heart of the house and it's, you know, you're hopefully making meals there, you know, multiple times a day. Toys, because that's the phase of life I'm in. And I feel like if you're in a, a phase of life where you're heavy on the toys, they take up 80% of the space of a living room if you let them get out of control. And then the other one I've been focusing on is entryways, like the coming and going of the house. I think as my kids are getting older, now we're starting to do some activities. It's such a critical connection point when you're like going out to the car and coming back in and creating something that's really seamless there and making sure even though the weather might really vary in Ohio, like if it gets warm, then I will take my coats out of the entryway because it's just cluttering up the space and it's such a high movement, high traffic area. So those are the three areas I have been focusing on. And then areas I'm not focusing on are like my linen closets and my personal closet. I think it's going to be personal though, because it also depends on like what's important to you. And right now having high fashion and having the perfect closet is unfortunately not at (laughs) the top of my list of priorities right now. And so it it depends on what your priorities are. But, you know, just trying to really focus in on the 20% that you spend 80% of your time on. Yes, absolutely. I love that you were talking about the entryway because that's often a place that I tell people to start decluttering. And for me, it actually does cause the most stress because whenever we're trying to get somewhere. I have three kids that do three different types of schooling, which is chaotic in itself, but it's like, okay, I need all of you to have exactly what you need for where we're going today. You're going out for recess. You're likely not. We need coats and hats. So I've recently gone through and made just all of that stuff so much more accessible so that I'm not like a drill sergeant. My kids know where their things are. Even my four-year-old, he knows where his things are. He has a hook at his height so that he can easily get his coat and his shoes are right there. But I think allowing that to also get chaotic, I think sometimes it's because we have too much stuff or things aren't going back into place. That's why I like the one minute rule, because if it's something you can do in about a minute or less, just hang your coat back up, put your shoes right here and helping your kids get into those habits will just cut down on the stress long term with any type of transition from your home each day. That's so great. You know, another thing that comes to mind um, that I have been wanting to do, I, I did it with one activity last year, but again, we're, we're growing in the number of activities we're doing and I want to implement it some more is creating checklists. So this is another thing I, I take from my work world, <laughs> but best practice is to document things and to have a standard operating procedure. And even though everybody knows what you're supposed to do, it's still written down somewhere because if you ever have 
somebody who's out and somebody else needs to step in for them. Like if you got sick and you needed a parent or a babysitter to take them to an activity, the same type of thing. So I want to get these index cards, like just have an index card for each activity or each kid and say like, if we're going to swim lessons, you know, Jackson needs one, two, three, four, five, six. And typically I can get there in my mind, but I just think that as moms, we have such a mental load that having something, if it was just like taped or maybe taped to the swim bag or on the wall or something above the hooks, allowing us to like quickly go through the checklist. I'm sure also as kids get older, they could go through that too. My kids can't read yet, but I'm assuming once they start reading, it could be a great tool for them as well. Oh yeah. That's great. I should do that for my daughter's gymnastics. That's excellent. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit more. What do you want to transition to? Cause I'll go to my transition unless you have something else you want to talk about. One other thing that I found really helpful that I've taken from the work world is this concept that we call root cause analysis. Mm -hmm. Basically where you really try to analyze the root cause of the problem to help identify like, am I actually solving the problem or am I going about it the best way? And I've been thinking about this a lot in relation to minimalism recently because I feel like we're constantly bombarded with marketing on social media, and I'm quite susceptible to that. But what that does is that has a start with potential solutions to a problem that maybe we weren't thinking about. And so, um, for example, I've been advertised this sleepy time tea a lot, and I struggle with my bedtime. I'm not disciplined with my bedtime, and I'm working on it. And so I see it, and I'm immediately thinking, this this would solve my problem. This would solve my problem. But when you do a root cause analysis, you basically ask, like, why is this a problem? Why is this a problem? And maybe ask why multiple times. And I was doing this, and it made me realize my problem is really that I'm scrolling social media a lot, and then I want to watch another episode of TV. And drinking a sleepy time tea is probably just going to be something that I do while I watch another episode of TV and won't necessarily like solve the actual problem that I want to solve. And another quick example, so it snowed today in Columbus, and I was just thinking, oh, we need to shovel the driveway, we need to shovel the driveway. Shoveling the driveway is great, but I realized most of my worry about it was that we have people coming over, and I was worried they're going to track snow in. Shoveling the driveway is good to do, but is it actually, you know, if I'm so worried about snow being tracked in, I could just address that by asking our guests to take off their shoes at the door or by having them really wipe their feet on a rug. You know, like sometimes I just think that we overcomplicate the solution. And if you take a moment and ask yourself why multiple times, you can find yourself with either fewer products that you're tempted to buy or fewer tasks that you're adding to your own to-do list. A couple of years ago, I had helped a friend go through her home and just pick out pain points that I had noticed. And one thing that she said she couldn't get in control of was her laundry. She wasn't able to get through her laundry each week. And so it was building and building and building. And it, I had told her, oh, you have far too many clothes. Maybe we should cut that down and then we won't be or buried by laundry. No, I can totally see that. Again, it's like thinking about what's my why uh, for having all of these clothes. You know, for some people, maybe their wardrobe is something that's very important to them. It's not so much for me. And and it sounds like it's, you know, you're confident in the pieces that you've chosen. And and that's really what matters. I've been really into recently reevaluating 
my season of life. So when I had babies, <laughs> you know, they're newborns and I was like having to do laundry. I don't want them wearing the same pajamas if it's been spit up on. And so I just got in the habit of like, well, my kids wear new pajamas every single night. I myself will rewear and it means less laundry. It just occurred to me, my eldest is four. So I've spent four years and it just occurred to me that like, if I am willing to let myself rewear pajamas, couldn't my kid do that? I mean, he's not spitting up anymore. If, you know, if there were some sort of accident, of course we will do laundry, but oftentimes I just get into a habit and don't even realize that I can simplify. And so like taking, taking a step back and saying, does this season really necessitate this habit? And then one other point on laundry, I've realized recently that I don't need to fold as much stuff. I'm, I'm always like every year I'm like, wait, that's one more thing I don't have to fold. And I think it again goes back to like the asking why, like, why do we fold something? And it's because we're trying to minimize wrinkles, but my pajamas, it doesn't matter if my pajamas are wrinkled. So I've stopped folding them. There are a lot of kids clothes. They don't really care if it's wrinkled. So, you know, you don't have to fold them. But then there are some items where, of course, I want them to look nicer. But, you know, just trying to simplify the systems and simplify the to-do list as well as as well as the items going through it. Mm-hmm. Well, Maggie, I loved all of the tips you brought in from the corporate world. Do you have anything else you'd like to leave listeners with? Final word of encouragement? Um, you know, just with the new year, I would just say start small. You know, whether you are decluttering, organizing, it doesn't have to be perfect. I am such a fan of just starting, whether it's a new habit or, you know, a new system in your home, starting out on a very small scale. And then over time, you can iterate and, ma- and make it better just a little bit at a time. Absolutely. Well, where can listeners connect with you online if they want to do so? Yes. Instagram is where I hang out the most at Maggie E. Dennis is my Instagram handle. So that's M-A-G-G-I-E-E-D-E-N-N-I-S. And then I also have a blog, uh, refiningthechaos.com. It's not quite as active as my Instagram and I would always point people to my Instagram first, but um, really both places. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource in your life that you want to share with the listeners? Um, Well, I know this has been shared before, but I just have to say Atomic Habits by James Queer. Um, I just think the best use of your time and energy is in habit building. I'm I'm obsessed with the book. I think I'm going to reread it every January because it's just so much more helpful than, you know, big goals. It's all about the small habits. Absolutely. That was my book club's book this month. Someone chose that. Oh. That is a great book to go back to reference for sure. Perfect time. Yeah. All right. Well, my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Um, Okay, so I just heard this metaphor, and I really can't stop thinking about it or even talking about it. So, and maybe you've heard of this, but I didn't know it until recently. Did you know that flamingos, both male and female flamingos, lose their pink color when they're raising their young? And then because it's like so intensive and they give so much energy to their chicks, uh, but then eventually they start to get their pink back. So I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and it's been, it's hard having you know, just really little ones. And I feel like with my youngest being two, I'm starting to feel like I'm, I have my head above water again. So this really resonated with me and, you know, just feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm starting 
to get my pink back. And, you know, yes, my kids still mean me so much. And I know that there are seasons of motherhood that are going to be hard ahead of me as well. But I just think it's so cool that it's it's a season and there will be a time where it gets easier, you know, whether it's raising kids or, or something else going on in your life. Yes, absolutely. I love how nature often reflects humanity and and things that we're experiencing in our own lives. We can just see so much of what the human experiences in nature as well, if we look hard enough. Yeah, that's so cool. Such a good way to word it. Well, Maggie, thanks so much for joining me today. I can't wait for listeners to hear this one. Thank you so much, Diane. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.